welcome to today's podcast uh, from HS Direct. Today we're going to be talking about um, expectant mothers, uh, pregnancy and maternity in the workplace. Uh, my name is Guy Woodcock, I'm the Director of Employment Law and Service Delivery at HS Direct um, and I'm joined by my colleague Lee Mockridge. Thanks Guy. Yeah, I'm Lee, I'm Head of Health and Safety at HS Direct and I'm going to be supporting Guy from the safety perspective. So I'll be explaining the differences between an expectant mum's risk assessment and the general risk assessments and how they need to be reviewed in line with with, um, having an expectant mother and how throughout the term of the pregnancy it's uh, the responsibility of the business to make sure that that's done comfortably and viably for all parties. Thanks, Lee. So we'll we'll just start generally with explaining what you'd expect to have in place uh, as a general rule, so outside of any particular occurrence of a pregnancy within the workplace. Uh, so from an HR point of view, it's always good practice to ensure that you've got a maternity policy in place, which is going to set out a process so both your employees and managers understand what needs to happen and when it needs to happen in the event that one of the individuals within the workplace becomes pregnant and needs to go through that process. Um, that would generally form part of your staff handbook and should be made available on, on request um, as and when required. Uh, from a health and safety point of view, Lee, what's the general requirement there for risk assessments? Well, a notification, it's a good process to uh, use what we call an expectant mother's risk assessment, which tends to get confused in, well, I've quantified expectant mums as part of my general risk assessments, but the template uh, that's available from us at HS Direct is there to act as a, a one-on-one liaison tool with um, the expectant mum to go through um, how they're coping in different stages of the pregnancy and should be completed uh, at notification, uh, but then reviewed every trimester um, to make sure that duties are uh, applicable and viable to the, the expectant mum and that we're not putting any um, unnecessary strain on that individual. Um, and also it gives them opportunity to feed in information about how they're dealing with the pregnancy because everyone uh, experiences pregnancy differently. Um, there may be symptoms to the mum or symptoms to the baby that need to be uh, considered and there needs to be adequate controls put in place to make sure that, that again, that is, is a comfortable process for the uh, expectant mum. But also she's got the ability to, to feed back on um, the last trimester's activities and how that might not be possible to carry into the next set. Thanks. So if we look at the, the timeline then of, of a pregnancy within the workplace, obviously the first the first thing that's going to happen is that you're going to receive a notification uh, from the expectant mother. Um, often that may be quite early in the, in the pregnancy, depending on, on how they feel they're going to be impacted by their work. Um, but the, the deadline that they've got to, to notify you formally would be by the end of the 15th week before childbirth. So that's actually quite a long, long way into to the pregnancy, about 25 weeks. Um, at that point, you'd expect initially it would be an, an HR acknowledgement. Um, and then and then you'd ask them to sit down with, with the person responsible for health and safety. And they would then go through the, the risk assessment that Lee's just described at that time to make sure they're happy with that. Yeah, thanks, Guy. And that's a a step-by-step process. So it's uh, discussing initial symptoms, um, initial needs and requirements that could be put in place. Um, I think one thing that's important to flag up at this point is that as we go through the the phases of the, um, the pregnancy and the different trimesters, obviously people react in different ways, but it may be that... Um, we consider some of the other um, risks involved in that individual working in the in the place of work. So if home working is viable, that could be something that is, is deemed as a control. 
also if they continue to be in the office or the working environment, it might be that we need to consider what we call a, a PEEP, which is a personal emergency evacuation plan, if that individual needs assistance to get in and out of the building in a, an emergency uh, uh, situation. So the expectant mum's risk assessment is to be done one-on-one. It's an open forum for both parties to ensure uh, that information's there to, to give the best controls and put the best controls in place. Um, and again, it should be reviewed every trimester. It's important to say that that sits alongside the actual general risk assessments that sit in place. So if you've got office activities as one of your general risk assessments, for instance, um, it may be that we do that expectant mother's template alongside that to establish what duties are viable and, and doable from that individual. So it may be that we reduce things like manual handling the longer that the pregnancy goes on. Um, situations where chemicals are ha- uh, handled, for instance, that might be something that is reduced or removed altogether, uh, again, depending on the phase and the chemicals that are being used. So we do the template. We get that done with the individual and have a plan in with the individual to make sure that they know when those visits and and meetings are going to happen. Um, And then we can move on to reviewing the general risk assessments in line with that to make sure that all the hazards and and situations that are involved in the day-to-day tasks offer the the adequate amount of controls to make sure that all parties are um, looked after, long story short. Um, And again, it might be worth checking in on those later through the pregnancy to make sure that um, they continue to be adequate and the controls are working for all parties so it's about that consultation both facilitate open uh, consultation and conversation between all parties and what all employers should aim to do is make sure that that expectant mum feels supported um, and comes out the other side of it not just um, the pregnancy but also after childbirth uh, knowing that they can continue in their job in a, in a safe fashion uh, and obviously in between that there's lots of HR matters that we need to think about as well which Guy will indulge you with. Yeah, absolutely so I think first of all linking into to that risk assessment process it's it's not unreasonable to assume that in some roles there might be some duties that an individual who, who's pregnant is unable to, to undertake safely. That might depend on working with certain substances or high-risk activities. Uh, so first of all, it's important to understand that employees shouldn't suffer any detriment by virtue of being pregnant within the workplace. So if they're not, unable to do that uh, work safely, then it's incumbent on the employer to either assign alternative duties um, so that they've got work that they can be undertaken, or alternatively they would need to be suspended on pay for health and safety reasons unless and until they can carry out that work safely. Um, beyond that then, it's a, it's a case of, of managing um, the process through from receiving that notification to uh, the individual going off on, on maternity leave and making sure that all the steps uh, that are incumbent on the business are ticked off uh, from an HR point of view. Um, so. By that end of the 15th week before childbirth, it's important that um, whoever's responsible for managing that individual ask the employee to confirm when they would like their maternity uh, start date to begin. So that can be at any point after uh, the 11th week before childbirth, um, right up until the day that the child is actually uh, born. Once you've uh, received that date, it's important to then confirm how long the maternity leave will last for and when they'll be expected to return to work. As a default, that'll be 52 weeks, um, but the employee might decide that they want to take a, a shorter period of, of maternity leave. For example, they only want to be off of the period that they're going to receive statutory maternity pay, uh, which is nine months. Um, so that will be then be documented, um, but should be kept under review uh, through the period of maternity as well. Um, during that period of pregnancy, um, 
the uh, the employee is likely to have at least one or, or, or more antenatal appointments. They're entitled to, to that time off work, uh, again, with pay. Um, the first one, um, they don't need to provide any proof of that appointment. If I do have subsequent antenatal appointments, then you can ask for proof of the appointment from the doctor, the midwife, or whoever is that's recommending uh, those uh, visits or appointments or whatever that might be. Once you've got the maternity period um, agreed, um, then you need to look at what their entitlement is going to be in relation to maternity pay. Um, so some employers may have um, some provision for enhanced maternity pay uh, within the contract or um, maternity policy, so it'd be important to make reference to that. Um, although for certainly the majority of HS direct clients or small businesses, it will tend to be that it will only be the statutory entitlement. A calculation therefore needs to take place. Um, that's over a period of eight weeks um, between the around about the 17th and 25th uh, week of the pregnancy. Um, if the employee earns enough over that period, um, about £123 a week on average at the moment, uh, then they'll be entitled to statutory maternity pay and should confirm to the individual what their entitlement is um, and that they'll be entitled to receive that through through the period of maternity. Um, so maternity pay um, is payable for 39 weeks. The first six weeks is at 90% of their average uh, weekly pay and then they receive a, um, a fixed rate uh, for the remaining uh, period which um, is reviewed every April um, but is generally somewhere around £150 a week at the moment. If they're not entitled to receive statutory maternity pay because they haven't earned enough during that period, then you need to inform them of the fact by completing an SMP1 form, and that would say uh, why they're not entitled to it, and they can then use that to then potentially make a claim for, for statutory maternity allowance, which is payable directly by, by the government in the same way that a benefit would be as well. Once you've uh, made agreements regarding the pay, then you need to start thinking more practically about how their absence is going to impact uh, the business um, and what you need to do in terms of arranging maternity cover. Um, are you going to try and cover that with existing staff or are you going to bring somebody in on a temporary basis to, to cover that? It's important to ensure that you've got a suitable contract in place there that explains that it's maternity cover, that it's for a fixed period and, and what, what's going to happen when that, when that period of maternity comes to end so the person covering that um, is aware of what their position is as well. And then from there, it's a case of then just monitoring that individual uh, through the period of, of pregnancy, updating the risk assessment um, as, as it progresses, ensuring that there's regular communication between the manager and the individual, any issues can be addressed, any adjustments put into place, which is going to make sure that the individual's more comfortable. Taking account of the fact that you may have some uh, pregnancy-related absences um, and making sure that you've, you've got provision in there for, for cover as and when necessary as well. That's then likely going to take you up to, to the period um, towards when uh, the maternity period is going to start. If the individual needs to uh, be absent from work with a pregnancy-related illness uh, within four weeks of, of uh, expected date of childbirth, then you can ask them to start their maternity leave at that point, even if they intended to start it later. In terms of maternity leave, uh, individuals need to take at least two weeks uh, maternity leave. Uh, that's a legal requirement and is actually extended to four, to four weeks for, for certain roles, for example, individuals who, who work in, in factories as well. That's going to then take you to the point where the individual goes off on, on maternity leave, um, but that doesn't mean that there should be the end of, of that communication and relationship between the, the employer and the employee throughout that period. And we would always recommend that key business updates um, are communicated out to that individual so that they're aware of what's going on in the workplace as well. And you should uh, consider whether or not you want to um, try and agree some keeping in touch days 
Um, so these are uh, days where the individual can come into work if agreed by both the employer and employee through the period of maternity. They would receive pay for that time, but it wouldn't impact their entitlement to maternity pay as well. And you can have up to 10 of those days throughout the maternity period. And it's, it's something that we would always recommend, especially as you get towards the end of that um, period of maternity leave, so they can come back into the business, uh, be updated on the things that have changed, you know, have that social interaction with their workmates, etc., and uh, hopefully you know, get themselves accustomed to coming back into the workplace after having what will be quite a prolonged period. Um, after that, you're then going to start looking forward to uh, their return to work. And Lee, what would you say is important from a health and safety point of view for the business to prepare for at that point? I think there's lots of factors to consider because not only through the pregnancy um, do you expect mums um, feel it differently, see it differently. Um, the prenatal and postnatal terms are, are equally as challenging um, as they are wonderful. Um, and I think from an employer's perspective, it's making sure that how uh, a new mother um, wants to move forward in regards to uh, their care for the child, whether that be, uh, as you've noted, about flexible working um, and about returning to work in a safe fashion. Obviously, what we've got to consider is is, is feeding the child, whether that is something that needs to be done uh, with the individual going back to the, the, the childcare setting uh, or indeed whether they uh, opt to express milk um, through uh, work facilities. Now, on a visit recently, I've seen uh, that open up to um, the, the, the basically the first aid room on site uh, being opened up as a, a, a calm and private place for a new mother to uh, express milk. Um, that then again should be uh, she should be able to store on site uh, and therefore take back to um, the, the the child later in the day because um, every mum is different and being able to do it uh, in a private space um, that is not only secure for them and, and, and in the knowledge that no one's going to come and interrupt that process but also where they can um, store that milk appropriately i.e. in a fridge or a freezer uh, that's kept in a hygienic state. And again, through that process, it's not just offering uh, the, the, the calm and, and secure uh, place, but it's also offering somewhere that's hygienic. Um, again, that, that milk is vitally important um, in some, uh, particularly in the early months um, of, of having a, a new baby and therefore um, storing it at an adequate temperature in a hygiene, uh, hygienic uh, situation is, is massively important for it to uh, be useful. Um, you know, that time spent doing that is, is vital for both mum and baby. So, um, yeah, that's got to be considered. And I think going back to sort of throughout the term um, there, Guy, in regards to where the risk assessments sit in, I've been in a lot of live situations where they say they've done the expectant mother's um, risk assessment via the one-to-one process uh, every trimester and they've reviewed the general risk assessments. But it's whether they've dug down to the depth of what the activities uh, that, that individual is actually doing. Um, I've been into uh, veterinary practices where um, there's no thought process surrounding um, uh, some of the equine veterinary services that I've seen where um, the expectant mum could be kicked um, with, a, with a, an animal that has been um, under sedation, uh, depending on how they respond to that, and also the chemicals that are being used in that process as well. Um, obviously, any situation where there's been any, any bloods or body fluids uh, handled in, in care, for instance, is, a, again, we have to think about PPE and the appropriate controls that are put in place to either remove that risk altogether or to just make sure that there's suitable barriers in place to stop that. 
Um, and even down to things like nail salons, some of the substances that are used in, in those settings, um, particularly things like uh, monomer and acetone, um, can have serious effects if it's overexposed to, to an expectant mum. Now, I've spoke to the owner of a business in that situation who she clearly wouldn't want to step away from, from her job because she's the owner of the business. She's got people that rely on her and also she's got to make money for what will be a, a, an expensive period, both planning for a baby and having a baby. So um, the fact that she didn't know about the use of, of some of those substances actually being uh, potentially damaging to an unborn child um, was quite shocking for her. It was lucky that her, her mum actually worked for her and I was able to influence mum to go over and say, uh, unfortunately, sweetheart, we're going to have to call it a day because we don't want you or baby to get in any harm's way. Um, so a couple of live sort of situations there for you, but both through that maternity um, uh, period, the prenatal and postnatal, it's really important to make sure that you're considering all eventualities, uh, the privacy and protection of that individual and making sure that there is tolerances and an understanding in place to make sure that it's not just you've now had a baby um, and you can get back to work. You've got to understand that that is a significant amount of change in that individual's life. Um, and being able to offer flexibility and, and, and understanding is is probably at the, the forefront of it, but making sure that there's formality on there as well. And those duties that were um, reviewed as part of the maternity process might need to be reviewed on part of the return process because depending on how uh, childbirth was, uh, depends on their ability to, again, start conducting certain tasks such as uh, manual handling, uh, working at height, stressful situations. Uh, all of those should be cons- reconsidered again. So that's why it's, it's genuinely important to make sure that risk assessments are uh, reviewed they're current and that everyone that needs to know about them are um, reading them and acknowledging them fundamentally making sure that those things are put into uh, action so um, yeah that that's the bit from my perspective about when that new mum comes back um, from a from a dad's point of view I, I know the strains of, of going back even from a phase perspective some mums are able to do it wholeheartedly and and, and plough through it and want to get back to full-time work and some mums find it uh, you know desperately um, difficult to go back and, and separate themselves from that from that little little bundle of joy basically so um, yeah it's always it's good to be empathetic around the situation but make sure you've got the backdraft of all your, your appropriate safety uh, support and guy from from what you're um, you've already touched on from an HR point of view the safety bit's pretty obvious it's, it's common sense about making sure that individual's looked after but from an HR perspective what more can we do over and above welcoming them back with open arms um, well, I think I think you're absolutely right that you've got to, to look at each case individually, and each mother will be different in terms of when they want to get back to work, you know, on what basis they want to do that, actually how that that works in practice and the reality of that, especially for someone who might be a first time mother as well and has to leave their, their child with a with a carer or something when they come back to work. Everybody's going to be slightly different, so it's important to approach these things with a, with an open mind. Um, and I think you know it's it's generally when when individuals you know mothers are returning to work where a lot of small businesses will often um, fall flat in terms of how they approach that situation, um, often because they've just got a general expectation that someone's going to come back and it'd be like they've never been away, um, when that's often not going to be the case as well. Um, so first of all, it's, it's important that the, the employer understands what that uh, mother's legal rights are on their return to work. So they're entitled to return to work 
in the, the position that they were when they left, unless that's not reasonably practicable. And as a general rule, it's, it's quite difficult to think of a situation where that's going to be the case if that job is 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 still there. Uh, sometimes we see that, that employers think, well, actually, I, I prefer the person who's been there on maternity cover, so I want to keep them. Well, that's not really a good justification for doing that. Um, Situations where that might be the case is if you have had a significant change in the workplace and there might be redundancies or a change of structure uh, where that role doesn't exist. Um, but if that's the case, then it's important that you're aware that the the, um, the mother is still entitled to return to work on terms which are no less favourable. Um, otherwise, you really are at significant risk of a potential claim there for, for unfair dismissal uh, relating to a pregnancy and therefore a discrimination claim as well. Um, Alongside that, it's, uh, it's highly likely that you're going to receive some sort of flexible working request uh, from the mother um, before they return to work because they may well want to work on a slightly different basis. They may want increased home working and uh, they may want to change their hours slightly to fit around childcare or they might want to reduce their hours and come back on a part-time basis. Um, so uh, almost all um, uh, mothers returning to work will have a statutory right to, to make a flexible working request because they'll have been back with a business for long enough by that point and therefore you've got to consider that reasonably and um, taking into account of the role of the business uh, but also the fact that it's um, it's only women um, who obviously are, are going to have uh, children as mothers and therefore they're much more likely to, to make a flexible working request and therefore turning it down might be you know, indirectly discriminatory as well um, under, um, under sex discrimination laws as well. Uh, so it's important to take these seriously and to approach them with, a, with an open mind. Um, and you know, possibly be a little bit creative about what, how you're going to accommodate that. Um, what sort of things um, can you do to support that mother back to work? Could you have a phase return to work um, so that they're increasing their hours over a period of time? Uh, can you look at reorganising work and the hours and when things are done so that they can fit it around their, you know, their new lifestyle and, and taking care of that baby? Home working, you know, is definitely something that more employers are now more prepared to consider after the pandemic, um, and that can be of a real benefit. Uh, fitting hours, you know, around things like um, nursery hours and, and childcare, etc. So that might be a, a later start and earlier finish. Um, all these sort of things can, can support that individual back to work and ensuring that you're retaining um, a good member of, of staff as well. Um, so those those requests should be taken seriously, um, and everything should be done to ensure that that individual can can return to work. Um, unfortunately, sometimes it's the case that it's not going to work out. Um, if you're a small business and you've got somebody who's working on a full-time basis who wants to reduce their hours significantly, it might be difficult to, to, to recruit somebody in on a job share basis, um, but you still need to go through that process. And what we'd always say is it's important to have consultation and a back and forth discussion with that individual to make sure that you're investigating every possibility before you're turning those sort of things down. Um, beyond that, then it, it's you know a case of uh, providing that ongoing support, as you've already alluded to, from a health and safety point of view, uh, making sure that there's um, you know um, free channels of, of communication, um, that there's understanding that there might be you know issues with with health of, of young children, etc., which might re require some more flexibility and, and time off. And beyond maternity maternity leave, all parents have a right to parental leave uh, and that's up to 18 weeks to be taken before the child's 18th birthday and again it's likely going to be in those early years where individuals are, are going to want to take advantage of that as well so again it's important to, to be aware of your rights. Um, so obviously there's a, there's a lot to consider for, for um, 
you know any any employer but in particular small businesses with dealing with this sort of thing it's important to get the right advice keep up to date with changes in the law as well and that's where uh, companies like ourselves can can um, uh, support small businesses and I think from your point of view what would you know what would be the most important point for you to, to take out of this I think both from a, a personal and a professional um, perspective both uh, preparing for a child through the maternity process um, and also on the back of, of having that child. It's good to know that both uh, dad and mum are supported through the, that, that process because um, everyone is individual in how they approach that. Everyone's circumstances are very individual. Um, and I think the security comes from the fact that you know that you've got the backup of your employer um, and that do, they're doing things both formally but also also uh, empathetically to make sure that um, you feel supported, you feel like um, you've got the, the, the ear of those that matter and those that are responsible for you um, and deal with your situation as, a, as an individual circumstance rather than tarring you with the same brush as you might with, with, with any maternity situation. Um, but through formality comes the use of things like risk assessments, physical uh, controls, but also mental controls. We've got to think that um, this is a hugely uh, significant situation in a lot of people's lives, um, and it does have an impact in terms of, or it can have an impact in terms of mental well-being, um, both throughout uh, maternity and after. Um, so being clear about what support mechanisms are there, um, being clear to both the the uh, parties involved and and those in the surrounding situation is massively important because being able to put your hand on the back of that individual and say, um, you know, we've got your best interests at heart means that from a stress and a well-being perspective, that that uh, individual knows that they can go through the maternity process and indeed come back uh, in a safe um, matter, both both physically and mentally. Yeah, absolutely. I fully agree. And I think from an HR point of view, um, this, this area is where you get a real kind of contrast between the technical aspects of the law and the process that needs to be gone through and considerations such as maternity pay. And it's important to have a, you know, a good basic understanding of that and that managers know where they can get support and, and information from it. And on the other side, you know, this is one of the most human aspects of, of, of life and, and the workplace as well. And you say it's having that support, that empathy and approaching it very much with an open mind that you're there to support that, that mother um, and, and their family through that process and do everything you can to, to ensure that they feel valued and are given the best opportunity of being able to return to work and continue, continue to uh, contribute to the business um, you know, as, as, as a mother and, and going forward. So from HS Direct's point of view, how can we support small businesses with this, uh, with this situation? Well, I think it's a double-edged sword from from both you and I, Guy, from from our mutual departments. Um, the HR provision is there um, through our um, first for employees pack, um, which means that there's the there's the support there from from the HR perspective, which which I'm I'm sure you're going to cover off, but also from the safety perspective. So we've got the uh, health and safety advisory service where you've got. Um, from the Safety First pack, you've got advice from uh, qualified safety consultants that work alongside all the templates that are readily available for you, including the risk assessment templates um, that are very general, but very easily tweaked to, to any situation. Obviously, we can give you the advice and support to do that. 
We've also got the um, the expectant mother's risk assessment review, um, which is the one that needs to be done every trimester. So you don't have to devise that. You can come to us and we can give you all the tools to do it uh, appropriately. And we can support you and advise you either through the process, after the process, or indeed, if you need us on site to help you with that process, I'm sure Guy from an HR perspective as well, we can, we can be on site if needs be to help with those sort of things, uh, any request. Um, but then it's the link into all the things that I've been saying about review, review of general risk assessments, review of, of activities and review of uh, the, the situation uh, for that individual, both through maternity and after. It's having that comfort blanket to know that you can pick the phone up. We will give you solid advice, practicable advice that you can put into place and, and make sure that both you as an employee, uh, sorry, an employer um, are doing the right thing uh, and in turn doing the right thing by the employee. So, um, yeah, it's a great provision. Um, we deal with these circumstances um, day in, day out. Again, from not just over the phone, but also on a site visit perspective as well. You know, in the in the last uh, few months alone, I've, I've, I've had quite in-depth conversations with employers about how they get this right um, and we've always come out of, of that situation with some decent recommendations on how to go forward um, with with a better situation but yeah I think from my perspective and what I know that my team can help with it's just reassurance it's reassurance for all parties that, that the situation is going to be handled appropriately and I know that um, from the basics that I know about your side of the business guy that you can you can cover that off as well and we can fill all the holes required yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, we can we can help with the boring bits, uh, which is making sure that you've got, you know, a suitable pr policy in place and all the, the documentation, the letters to confirm things about maternity leave and maternity pay, etc., advising on the calculations of pay as well. Um, but then our um, employment law consultants are there at the end of the phone for a process, which is going to take quite a long time. It's going to be up to about two years from from notification of pregnancy to, to getting that individual back into work. So they're always available to talk you through the whole situation, provide a sounding board for some of the more complex issues. They can provide some context, take into account the legal requirements. Um, we always take quite a commercial view to this, and that means you know having discussions about what the impact might be during um, making adjustments during pregnancy, dealing with the absence during maternity and then what needs to happen on, on the return to work and potential flexible working requests as well. So, we're, you know, as you say, there to provide that reassurance and available right throughout that process as well to make sure that all the um, T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, um, but also to, to, to really get into to those tricky situations that can sometimes arise and make sure that the employers, you know, both supporting the employee, making sure that they're um, respecting their legal rights, but also making decisions that in the end are going to be best for the business, which is which is always going to be the ultimate concern for our clients as well. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're there. 363 days a year to provide that advice and, and support to small businesses and again you know for, for many of our clients it's not something that they may come across that often it might be you know once every few years or something so it's important that they've got someone that they can rely on to support them through that through that period as well so from both guy and myself we thank you for listening to, to the podcast today it's obviously going to be readily available on all the uh, regular platforms for podcasts um, please come to us should you need any further support, both uh, the website and um, all the, the, the general contact details that are available therein. Um, and we will, of course, help you with all the matters that we've covered off today. Uh, and again, thanks for listening and we hope to speak to you all soon.